Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown of the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, we'll take a look at the resumption of domestic flights in India and report on the tragic incident involving a Pakistan International Airlines A320 last week. I'll provide an update on what has been a very busy week for the Airbus A380 and we'll discuss Europe's biggest aviation bailout to date. Finally, we'll round up with a look at the stylish update of Qatar Airways cabin crew uniforms. So, let's get on with the show. And I think you wanted to start today, Joe, by talking about what's been going on in India. Yeah, so it's today is Monday for those yes. that are listening later in the week. <laughs> and it's been two months to the day since um, Indian Airlines stopped flying. Um, so today was a very special occasion in India in that they have pulled back the resumption of domestic flights from the previously planned date of the 31st of May to today. So um, two months to the day, they've resumed around 33% of domestic capacity, which is, well, hopefully very good news for India. Um, There have been a lot of kind of procedures to go along with this resumption. So um, the ministry published something they call standard operating procedures or SOPs, um, which includes mandatory online check-in, downloading the special Indian contact tracing app, um, only allowed one single cabin bag and a checked bag. And you've got to arrive at the airport two hours before your flight. They're also doing things like temperature screening, social distancing at the airport, but not on the flight. Um, And airlines are supposed to be providing a safety kit containing a mask, a hand sanitizer and a face shield, which I thought was quite ambitious. Um, On board, the crews wear full PPE. So this includes like the full on hazmat suit and everything. They're not serving any in-flight meals. There's no magazines, no shopping. Um, As I said before, there's also no social distancing. Um, I'll recap on where we are, uh, where we have been today, um, because social distancing has been happening today, but purely because there haven't been very many people actually flying. So it's been easy to do that. Um, But in total today, we saw 532 flights take off and just less than 40,000 people travelled. So the the honour of the first flight from Delhi was Indigo and they pushed back at 4.45 in the morning, so nice and early. And yeah, a bit too early for me as well, Tom. (laughs) But uh, at Delhi, things seem to have been going pretty well, actually, in terms of how the airport was set up to keep passengers safe. Um, The airlines had various agents positioned around the terminal with kind of signposts directing them towards the correct gates so that people weren't sort of milling about and looking at signs. Um, They had markers all on the floors for social distancing anywhere that a queue might build up. Um, There have been a few kind of teething troubles. There were some reports that the the scanners for the boarding passes weren't working. So this was supposed to be a contactless kind of boarding experience. So people were actually having to type in their numbers, which kind of went against that. There was some confusion over, there was supposed to be health declaration forms for people that didn't have the contact tracing app, because obviously not everybody in the whole world's got a smartphone, apparently. (laughs) So (laughs) they were supposed to be working on it (laughs) 24-7. 
Exactly, exactly. But uh, there had to be an option for those that weren't able to download the app. So they were supposed to have some printed forms for people to fill in. Um, But by sort of nine o'clock this morning, people at the gate had run out of these forms. And it was a bit little bit chaotic, but actually not too bad in comparison to what was going on at Mumbai. It was uh, entirely much more chaotic down there. So it was actually late last night when the full confirmation came in that the flights would actually resume. So a lot of people were kind of hanging in suspense to find out if their flight was going to go ahead. They only authorised 50 flights in total, so 25 incoming and 25 outgoing from the airport, um, which was less than they were expecting. So there were a lot of... uh, last minute cancellations. Um, Mumbai's decided to do their thermal screening at the door to the airport and they're also checking all the forms and everything there. Um, And the problem with that is there were no floor markings outside the airport. So there were some really kind of worrying scenes this morning of people crowding together outside the airport in in queues, you know, not practicing social distancing at all. So, um, yeah, a bit bit unprepared, I'd say, down there for for the resumption of travel. And the other additional issue is that there's hardly any cabs or public transport operating. So people are arriving into Mumbai with no way to travel onwards apart from walking. So, you know, this presents another issue with people sort of milling about and spending more time in the company of others than maybe they should be. Um, But worse than that is the people that were arriving at the airport having shelled out, you know, ridiculous amounts of money to try and get a cab or some sort of transport from their home only to find out their flight wasn't going ahead. So... Um, yeah, it's just been a bit chaotic. And, you know, it's not entirely Mumbai Airport's fault or, you know, Indian Aviation's fault. It's just one of those things. Um, and I think one of the issues in India is there's so many different states that are trying to adopt their own rules right now. So people coming from states, different states or arriving in different states are having different quarantine measures imposed on them. So, for example, people arriving in Mumbai that came from Lucknow needed 14 days quarantine at home. Bengaluru needed seven days quarantine at home. Maharashtra, they had to go to a federal quarantine facility. So it was in general really... Yeah, all very confusing. And, uh, you know, it must have been a bit of a nightmare to be a passenger today. And across the two main airports, Delhi and Mumbai, there were about 100 flight cancellations altogether today, um, 80 of them at Delhi. So, you know, as I say, a lot of passengers were arriving at the airport because they've been told to get there more than two hours before their flight, only to find out there's not going to be a flight. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good to see things restarting. And it was certainly encouraging to see lots of uh, planes in the sky over India today. But uh, it hasn't possibly been handled as well as it could have been. Um, and of course, there's still no word on international flights, which is really what everybody in and outside of India is hanging on to find out. There's uh, still an awful lot of people kind of around the world that want to get back to India that just can't at the moment. So, yeah, a bit chaotic, but I think uh, it's a it's a step in the right direction, perhaps. Yeah, well, I mean, we quite often see when things like this happen, there's always teething problems, like when BA moved into Terminal 5 comes to mind and when Berlin yeah. tried for 10 years to open an airport. <laughs> and they're still trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see if that finally opens this year. That would be interesting and, Hmm. uh, yeah, a a definite marker of some success for Brandenburg, I'd say, (laughs) at last. 
Oh, so that was that was my India roundup, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll see more um, kind of positive news coming out of India in the in the coming days. My personal worry is they they had some of the biggest spikes in confirmed coronavirus cases over the weekend. So I think some might say it's a little bit too much too soon, but uh, I guess we'll see. So from India to um, the A380, Tom, what's been happening with that this week? So what hasn't been happening with that this week, I think, is probably an easier question to answer because um, <laughs> it, it's been a like we've had little bits of A380 news here and there and all through. But last week it was bam, 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 bam. Um, and I think we'll start with the biggest news that came from Air France, who became the first operator to completely retire the A380, which is sad, but it's happened. Um, so it is what it is. But basically, the, the aircraft wasn't working out for them anyway. They were already going to get rid of it in um, 2022, um, which is two years' time. And um, the problem is everyone's waiting for this um the demand to return by 2022 2023 if you're not going <laughs> yeah well we do hope but i mean if you're not if you know you're not going to fly it until then what's the point of keeping it just to get rid of it you might as well get rid of it now absolutely um, which is the view that air france have taken and i mean it's not a view they would have taken lightly because they're going to take a significant hit from this um, they said that in their Q2 results, um, they're going to have uh, they're going to be set back a total of half a billion euros or wow. um, 550 million dollars for our US listeners um, just from retiring them early, and that's because some of them are operate on operating leases, and uh, I think one is on a finance lease, and I think um, Air France owns the other four outright. Um, right. But yeah, that was a sort of sad one because that means that um, I think the Air France KLM group has got rid of all of their four-engined aircraft now because they also brought forward the retirement of the A340. Air France had like four left, that were, uh, three or four left that again were going to be going in the next couple of years. And mm -hmm. as we all know, KLM scrapped the 747 earlier this year in March yeah. now. I was going to say earlier this month. That was... Two months ago now, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a sad one. And a bit more sad news from Lufthansa, but not nearly as sad. Um, we did learn that they are going to be scrapping A380 operations from Frankfurt. Um, yeah. Which... I think is terrible decision because I won't get to well. see it anymore. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, there is a positive to it in that um, the air airline has basically decided that when the fleets return to service, they're going to split it between Boeing in Frankfurt and Airbus in Munich. And what that means is Munich will have the remaining A380s along with the A350s. And we will have the remaining, I say we, Frankfurt, um, <laughs> will have the remaining 747s and also the seven, uh, the 777X when that comes cool. next year. Oh, that will be worth waiting for. And what I think is an interesting one because um, they mentioned this, and but there was no mention throughout this of the A340. Mm. Um, and I mean, they're already going to an aircraft graveyard, which means 
if you're going to get rid of one, they're probably the easiest to get rid of. Um, yeah. And I did, I did double check this with Lufthansa and they said their position hadn't changed. Um, they said along the lines of their position hadn't changed since they said that um, they're just going to storage. But um, right. I mean, it's interesting. So nothing that, official, but... Uh, yeah, but yeah, um, I mean, when they <laughs> sent it to storage, they said um, a year to a year and a half grounding. Um, right. If, if it comes back. Um and it's interesting that they've included the 777X in their um, their figures because obviously that's not coming until next year, which is about the same as a year to a year and a half from now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you would have thought if they include one, they'd include the other if it was coming back. So yeah, I yeah. would take this as a sign that don't be surprised if the A340 doesn't come back. But um, of course, there's no... It's not that's more of a hunch. at the moment. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think it's a good one. I mean, I think if there's anything that the COVID crisis is showing us is mm. the the very short lifespan of the remaining quad jets. You yeah, know, it's, it's a, a really sad one. Although it is, I do have some good news on that front. Go um, on then. And that was the fact that British Airways flew an A380 out to Manila. Uh, and you may mm. be asking, why is that good news? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, British Airways does its heavy, heavy, expensive maintenance checks um, on the A380 in Manila. Um, and these things are booked like years in advance um, because it's like a really big thing. And um, Yeah, it's a big investment for the airlines, it is, isn't it? It is. And typically, if an airline, say Air France, um, they know they're going to get rid of their aircraft in the next two years anyway. Um, if one of these has a check coming up, it makes sense for them to get rid of it rather than to pay for the check because it won't make the money back. Absolutely. Um, so I think it's really interesting that BA has um, sent theirs off to um, to Manila because, I mean, they've always been one the one airline that the A380 actually seems to make sense for. And um, Yeah. They're the one that doesn't complain about yeah. it. And, uh, you know, whenever they're asked about it, they always say it's a great aircraft yeah, I mean, for certain like, routes. Like, you know. um, 14 days before Airbus pulled the plug on the program, Willie Walsh was still saying that he'd buy more at the right price. Yeah. You know, um, whereas <laughs> Which they never were. Would, yeah. But, um, well, maybe they will be now. You never know. True, um, true. So I think it's an interesting one because it doesn't firmly point to us that they'll keep the entire fleet. I obviously hope that they would. Um, but it seems to indicate that they'll keep some of the fleet because there would be absolutely no point in sending this off to um, Manila for the maintenance if there was any hint that you wanted to get rid of this anytime soon. No, exactly. Um, and I guess it's, uh, you know, it's it, like you say, it's one that we could see operating for quite some time to come. So, I do hope fingers so. crossed, that <laughs> it's, means it's, there will still be A380s in Europe because uh, there's not very many left now. Yeah, it's it's sad because it is really a wonderful aircraft and I do love flying. I, I can see from an economic and environmental point of view why it isn't a wonderful aircraft, but certainly mm. from the passenger point of view. Yeah, it really is. Mm. So that's uh, good news and bad news, I guess. But uh, I'm going to have to move on to a rather more serious topic now. Um, 
Sydney covering, but I have to say it was one of the more difficult things we had to cover in the recent months. Um, so probably everybody's heard by now that, uh, that towards the end of last week, um, a Pakistan International Airlines A320 crashed in Karachi. Um, there were mixed reports of how many people were on board, but now it seems to be confirmed there were 99, which included eight crew members. Um, and the, the most difficult thing about this particular incident was that the aircraft came down in a residential area at Model Colony. So uh, and it appears that everybody in Model Colony was out with their smartphone filming and photographing. And there were some really awful, awful, shocking images of destroyed homes and burnt buildings. Um the small silver lining is that, amazingly, two people have actually walked away from the crash. Um, the complete death toll's not really confirmed yet because it's been suspected, obviously, the nature of the crash. There might have been fatalities on the ground as well. But um, they have been working hard to recover bodies. And, uh, you know, the big question is, what on earth happened? You know, how could this happen with a modern aircraft and, a, you know, all the systems and safety processes we've got in place? Um, so... Obviously, we're not going to know entirely what went on until the, the full inquiry has been undertaken. But um, from the evidence that's come out so far, uh, it seems the aircraft was approaching on its first approach very high and was warned by air traffic control that they were high. But the pilot said he was happy with his approach and proceeded. Um, he attempted landing and it looks like either the landing gear failed to deploy or, you know, so I did see somebody said if you're going too fast, it actually won't deploy. Um, but uh, there were some images shared of the runway that show scrape marks consistent with um, both the engines having hit the ground, um, possibly as many as three times. And then the pilot took the decision to do a go around um, and somebody actually photographed the actual plane sort of minutes before the accident. Um, and you could see damage on the underside of the engines as well as um, a bit of smoke coming out. So it looks like they were quite badly damaged in that initial um, impact. Um, and then the, the last thing we really know is that the, the pilot said he's lost both his engines. Um, and that was kind of the last uh, bit of information from the the plane but uh, it's a really really sad incident and it happened right on the evening of Eid so you know a lot of people Pakistan had only really resumed flying so that people could get to see their families for Eid and uh, you know it was obviously um, just a, a terrible thing to happen really I think uh, the whole Eid festivities have really been dampened down because people are kind of it's a national state of mourning of how this thing could have happened but yeah. uh, what are your thoughts Tom you're the pilot did you see the, the photos and that well I mean yeah I've seen um, mixed things here and there I mean as always um it's impossible to say straight away what happened. I'm, personally, I'm buying the theory at the moment that the engines were damaged when they scraped across the ground. And I think it also showed that the in that photo you mentioned that the ram air turbine um, had popped out at the bottom. And that's really um, the purpose of that is to ensure that the vital systems can get some power if like all power is lost. It's like a little um, wind turbine. Right, um, right. That pops out, and um, so I mean, if it's already quite bad if that's out, but um, I did read some suggestion, and this is just a speculation again, but um, I read somebody suggest that the aircraft, the, the landing gear had started to come down, but because it wasn't in position, it buckled under the oh. um, the weight of the aircraft on the runway, and then obviously. 
because um, I think it it tried it tried to land and then went around. Yeah. Um, and then it was after the second landing attempt that this happened. But um, yeah. I mean, obviously, don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% <laughs> certain, and we'll see what the investigators say. But somebody, some suggestion I saw that um, on the first it one, the damaged. landing gear was bent and. Um, not usable for the second one, but it's it's a right. real tragedy that um, there it was really this loss is. of life. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I expect it will be some months before we get the outcome of the inquiry. But, Certainly, uh, yeah. I we, mean, we would be interested to know because it's always nice to get some closure on these things. It and, is, uh, and um, it's, it's really like there's not been anything quite like it um, recently, to my knowledge, Um I can't well, not immediately. since the uh, 737 Max. Well, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I shouldn't I didn't, laugh about no, that either. I, I but. mean, like, the exact circumstances of this. Like, I can't think of any time that mm. an aircraft has had has um, failed because of engine damage on a failed landing attempt. Um, yeah. I mean, there might yeah. be one out there. And um, if you do know of one, like, feel free to Please share do. it. Because um, yeah. I haven't heard of it. But it's... It's from a, a sort of understanding what went on and ensuring that it doesn't happen again point of view. That from that point of view, I'm interested to see the final result. The outcome, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So from sad news in the Middle East to good news for Germany, I guess, oh, or I for guess. Uh, Germany's flag carrier. <laughs> so uh, yeah, quite uh, astoundingly, it's just been announced this afternoon that Lufthansa has received or is going to be receiving an em enormous bailout from the German government. Um, so it's a package of measures and altogether it's going to be worth up to 9 billion euros, which is 9.8 billion US for our, our listeners across the pond. And it's this is the biggest European bailout to date by some measure. Um, Air France got 7 billion, which I think is about the second biggest. But most other airlines are getting a matter of a couple of hundred million or, you know, the, the two main airlines in, in Spain got a billion between them. So it really is substantial. Um, and I had to kind of look up part of this because 5.7 billion of the funding is being given as a capital injection for something called silent participation. And this is something in German law that means that that the person or the, the, the funder, if you like, is a stakeholder and is part of the business and is now involved in the profit and loss of the business, but they're not involved in the running of the airline, which is exactly what Carstens Four said he wanted. He did not want the state being kind of the driving force behind the airline. He wanted to be able to run his airline his way. And it seems that that's the clause he's put in there to make sure he can still run the airline unlike a state-owned enterprise, you know, because that's what he really didn't want. So, um, as well as that, they're also buying some shares to the value of 300 million euros. So overall, uh, Berlin is going to own 20% of Lufthansa going forward. Um, but as I say, it's like a silent partner thing. So they're not really going to have an awful lot of say in the direction of the airline. Um, as well as that, there's going to be a credit facility provided by a combination of private banks and the state-owned KFW Bank um, of up to €3 billion. Euros. So I guess how much of that Lufthansa takes will depend on how things go for them going forward. Yeah. Um, 
So if the silent participation part of it is fully repaid, then Germany has agreed, there's a clause in it, they agree to sell back the shares at market value by the 31st of December 2023. So this all ties in with what you were saying earlier about the the sort of forecasted uptick in the market. You know, they're expecting a couple of bad years and then hopefully a return to business as usual. Um, But there was also a clause in there that said if Lufthansa fails to pay the agreed remuneration for the silent participation, which is a a percentage of the business kind of earnings over the next couple of years, the state has the right to take an additional 5%. Now, it didn't say if that would come along with kind of a move from silent participation to active participation in the running of Lufthansa. But uh, it seems like there's been quite some negotiations going on in terms of what Svor wanted and what the state wanted and how this is all going to play out long term. So, um, But it's a massive investment by Germany. You know, it's uh, really, like I say, the biggest we've seen to date and probably the biggest we will see in Europe because I yeah. don't see the UK paying <laughs> Virgin Atlantic anything like that well, sort of money. <laughs> I think it's it's interesting though because with this one it's kind of been an is it isn't it happening thing because I mean even today we sort of saw um, reputable sources saying um, it's it been confirmed. agreed and then um, yeah. Lufthansa sort of backtracked and said no it hasn't been agreed and then um, later in the day we got no 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 it is agreed um, <laughs> so I wonder if there was some last minute tweaking that needed to be done there or Quite possibly. I think there were an awful lot of people involved in yeah. getting an agreement. You know, they, they. I think one of the last ones to agree, well, the Lufthansa board was one of the last to agree. And uh, the European Commission obviously had to be consulted. But things move like uh, a rat through treacle quite often at the EC. So they they yeah. did well to get an agreement, you know, <laughs> this side of uh, Christmas, really. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, so, I definitely think it's... Um, it's it's I think it's a good thing that there's uh, the silent investment because I know when Air France had their um their injection there were a lot of terms attached to yeah. it like need to get rid of domestic routes, which I don't disagree with, but the I thought it was interesting the one to continue to be a good Airbus customer when yeah. at the same time <laughs> they're telling them to sell uh, to save money and to cut routes, you know? Yeah. Bit of bizarre. a weird one. It was. And uh, I think, you know, we've we've seen that in a few other situations where airlines have been bailed out, most notably in the US, where, mm. you know, airlines have been forced to almost operate ghost flights just yeah. to maintain routes to ensure they can actually access this uh, coronavirus funding. So, I uh, mean, they had that uh, 29-mile one in Colorado between the two ski resorts, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> that's it's right. It's crazy, you know? It's been bonkers. Mm. But, uh, so it looks like Lufthansa's got a few strings attached, but I guess not, not as, as many. many as, yeah, uh, yeah as I mean, some others. It sounds like it's forced still gets to throw it the way that he wants going forwards. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I guess, a good thing for certainly some reassurance for Lufthansa employees Mm. and for the airline. Um, But, you know, my mind does wonder to whether this is fair and whether it's right that states are operating independently in this way. You know, it was raised by the Spanish government last week that really there should be a more kind of uniform approach Mm. to the way airlines are being bailed out. Because what we're looking at now is an airline with a huge advantage for post-COVID recovery compared to someone like Iberia, who only got, you know, 700,000 euros for a bailout. So, Well, it's an interesting one because i mean these really are unprecedented times so they are um we'll just have to wait and see you know i mean 
I do think Lufthansa, though, for example, is a much bigger undertaking than um, Iberia. Like, yeah, that's very true. So I don't know. There's anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's me all wrapped up with Lufthansa. Um, Tom, <laughs> sticking on the coronavirus topic, what's Qatar doing to keep their uh, airline employees safe? So this was a bizarre one because if you. I, I can understand Qatar's point, but it just seems a bit overkill. Um, basically, if you step on a Qatar Airways aircraft at the moment, uh, you have no way, by looking at the staff at least, of knowing whether you're t stepping onto an airplane or a hospital um, <laughs> or some sort of horrific biohazard site. Um, <laughs> because the crew now are being having to wear full PPE and by full PPE, I mean, you know, when you've seen crime scene dramas where they've got these white suits on and um, the goggles and the masks, this is literally yeah. it. I mean, I would encourage anyone who hasn't seen it to look up the story on um, on our site and have a look at it because it, I again, I totally understand why, but um, everyone like IATA and even many of the airlines are, say, are just saying crew need to wear masks. Yeah, um, that seems like a sensible option. Yeah, and I mean, if I was flying right now, I would wear a mask. I wear a mask on the train, I wear a mask in the supermarket. You know, I'm happy doing that. Um, it's not the end of the world. But I mean, this whole thing, like it's a polythene suit. And imagine this. <laughs> so they've got their full uniform on, on underneath, even though you can't see it. They oh. can't just wear like a T-shirt and shorts. They're going to be so hot. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're landing in Doha, you know, walking around in that, it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it doesn't um, inspire confidence for the passengers either. Seeing, I know, uh, that's their crew one all dressed like uh, intensive care nurses. <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that they shouldn't protect their staff, but this, at the moment, to me, seems a bit overkill, and I do hope it's not the way that the industry goes moving forwards. Yeah, I mean, I saw a similar level of um, PPE on the India flights today when they resumed, but um, they didn't have the um, the full face mask things. They definitely had the the kind of mouth mask covering, and they had like a sort of overall coverall sort of thing. Um, I guess so that they can just strip it off and throw it away between flights or something. But uh, they certainly didn't have the face shields, and it didn't look quite as clinical as Qatar's. I think theirs is the worst to date. Um, but I think AirAsia had an interesting take on well, it yeah, because they've, they've gone they've, for PPE, but they've done it in a really cool and stylish way. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's not any PPE, it's AirAsia PPE. <laughs> no, it's, it's like PPE, but it's AirAsia branded PPE. Yeah, and yeah. it looks a bit more fun and a bit more... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd wear not that. Quite as scary. I would wear that to a party, but this one, no Well, way. that's just you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Well, I think we're we're just about done for today. Yeah, so, I think uh, <laughs> I need to before I come up with any more wacky sentences like that. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to seeing you in full PPE at the Christmas party, Tom. Yeah. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as usual, we welcome any feedback you might have at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.